What's up, YouTube? I'm Robert, and this is the Biker Channel B1. Today, we're on the 28th episode. Imagine that. I got it on the first try. The 28th episode of the Biker Bar, and this is a long-format podcast. If you guys aren't familiar with it, it's about it goes usually about one to two hours long. It's on here live on YouTube right now. Every It's usually every Sunday at, at 5 p.m. PST, but today, we're doing something a little special because Super Bowl's tomorrow, and we figured... There may or may not be the largest TV event in the nation going on, so we should probably reschedule the biker bar around that. So here we are on Saturday, the 2nd of February, and I have today's guest is Dusty Betty and her husband, Steve. But before we get started, I just wanted to throw a couple of things out there. If um, I, the first thing I want to say is thank you all to anybody that decides to throw up a super chat like Brian T already did. I really appreciate them. Usually during the show, I don't have the opportunity to really call people out. doesn't really um, work that well with the format. And also, I know that um, Dusty Betty's crowd is, is a little bit more of a PG crowd. I will let you guys know right now I'm, I'm notorious for letting the F-bomb slip. So if you're a young kid, you're going to have to put the earmuffs on here and there or... Um, just be aware that that I'm, I'm a bad example of how to speak properly. <laughs> With that being said, I don't have a sponsor, but I am wearing this awesome Tasco hat today. Has the uh, the black flag on. I figured I'd mention that because uh, Dusty Betty is also a Tasco ambassador. So I, I figured I, I should go ahead and throw that on. And also, they sent me some T-shirts lately. I'm really, really digging this one that they sent me. It has a uh, it's kind of like a wicking material and cotton. So you can wear it during the ride and it rides, it dries out quick, doesn't like chafe on you, but also looks pretty cool then whenever you're uh, getting tacos and burritos afterwards. So also um, my Instagram is at uh, bikerb one so B1KERB1. I'm trying to grow that and my Facebook. So if you get a chance, go ahead and swing by there. Or if you want to make this podcast more popular, do me a favor and go to whatever format that you watch it on, whether it's Google Play or iTunes or SoundCloud. I think that's those are the three that I have it put up on and do a review. That would be great. When I search mountain biking on on those podcast um, search engines right now, they're not coming. This isn't coming up because I don't have enough view or enough ratings. So you guys give more ratings then I'll come up higher on the list. That will make me happy. So with that being said, let's go ahead and get started. I'll let uh, Dusty Betty and her husband, Steve, just go ahead and give me a little intro on your channel and, and we'll go from there. Uh, well, my name is Tess. It's actually like, like people who actually know me know that my name is Tess, but my channel is Dusty Betty because Betty is slang for female. So Dusty Betty is any lady who's out there getting dusty, hitting a single track. And uh, yeah, on my channel, I just kind of, cover a lot of my adventures mountain biking my experiences as i learn and grow as a rider and as a bike mechanic my husband steve and i travel full-time and uh <laughs> so steve's a pretty big part of my adventure because we uh we do pretty much everything together so yeah that's us <laughs> and then you also have a new addition to the channel what's that behind mm -hmm. you though yeah this is little dusty <laughs> And uh, yeah, as you can tell, she's a pretty pretty new addition to the family, and um, so it's kind of a new dynamic, fun, but we're <laughs> we're loving it, and life is good. Yeah. Th those of you guys that are listening, the the babies are like putting up the cutest smile right now. If that doesn't get me like at least four or five more thumbs up than we have right now, that <laughs> you guys are doing it wrong. So, so how old is the baby? She's about three months now. 
So, it's so yeah, she's getting really fun. The last she's time, smiles. the last time that I saw you guys, we were riding Downeyville and you hadn't announced that yet. And, um, it, it's definitely, you're I, for the people that don't know you, you guys are, are traveling, like literally traveling. And what are you sitting in right now? Yeah. So right now we're in our travel trailer, which is our house on wheels. Then we tow it with a truck and we move, um, sometimes every month, sometimes every few days, you know, just depending on what's going on. But yeah, we, we live on the road full time. Really. Um, Steve has a mobile job and I do dusty Betty stuff now, obviously trying to juggle it with this, but I'm not going anywhere. So yeah, it's good. <laughs> so you guys used to have an Airstream. What was it like getting rid of that? Um, it was bittersweet. It was a beautiful, beautiful trailer. Um, but the rig we have now, which if you, um, are, we have another YouTube channel called more we explore and that's where we cover more of our like lifestyle stuff. You'll get to see things like, you know, what our new trailer is like. And, um, it, we got a trailer that has room for the bikes inside of it, which is pretty sweet. So, so we're so big. Is it, is it a toy hauler where like the whole back end opens up or is it actually a camper? Yeah, it's a, it's a toy hauler style trailer. And it's even though the, the Airstream, you can't beat those things for charm and beauty. They've got that awesome mid-century modern kind of look to them. Um, but this is a lot more open feeling, which is really nice. You know, working on the bikes on a rainy day in here or for, you know, with having a little a little kid, it gives her a little more room to stretch out. So it's good. Airstreams are awesome. But they're kind of trendy right now, and I kind of like doing what other people aren't doing. It's kind of the the trailer to have right now, and we can. This allows us to live the lifestyle we want more. The airstreams are cool and they're fun to be in, but we don't travel so we can be in an airstream. We travel so we can mountain bike and kayak and hike and backpack and get out there. And this trailer allows us to do it a lot better than an airstream would. Yeah, it's definitely suiting our needs um, better now, which is you know that kind of wins out we ultimately we want to be traveling and riding where the weather is good and so how, how yeah. big is the trailer you guys are in uh what is it maybe 25 it's 25 feet? yep yeah from bumper to ball still pretty small yeah so so you, and you're pulling that with what uh we have a tundra so you guys got rid of the airstream and the van yeah, yeah, you wouldn't recognize us if you saw us, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things that was nice about the van before is that you guys could let go of the trailer and then use the van to sleep in. I, mean, I guess you, you had to give that up in order to have a baby or just um, wasn't feeling like it, you needed it as much. Yeah, we would have we would have had to make some pretty um, serious modifications to create a place to put a car seat in that van just because we'd modify the interior more like camper style. So, um, yeah, so we just decided, well, let's get a truck. And, uh, so now we can still sleep in the back of the truck. It has a shell on it, but it's not set up like a camper. It'll be more like car camping when we kind of go off in that, which is, which is okay. We love the truck. I mean, every time we climb in that truck, we're like, I love this truck. Yeah, we love it. And van life is so strong right now. We sold that van a 20 year old van with 180,000 miles on it for more than a brand new tundra cost oh, so wow. we were able to sell the van and buy a brand new tundra cash and have uh, money left over for mods so it was a no-brainer for us yeah wow, i mean yeah. Granted, it was a really valuable van like steve really did the research and you know this so there were things about that like the motor and things like that that were made it a very desirable van even though it was 20 years old 
Yeah, I remember when you guys put it up for sale. I was definitely like, man, could I could I do this? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty cool. sweet. And you couldn't I, beat the way that the bikes just slid in like so easy. That. We do miss that. I was trying I've been trying to like prime Katie on on some some van life stuff and she's not buying into it yet. So <laughs> it's not cheap, <laughs> and, man. They're expensive. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. And you know, you, I, I was even talking to a friend of mine recently, Moonlight Leatherfoot on he's on my channel a bunch about, hey, maybe we should just go buy like buy a van together and you know, something that's got a boatload of miles on it. Cause we're not gonna use it all the time. That's the part that's hard for me where it's like Yeah. If, if I was going to go out and like be living in it like full time, you know, like, like something like you guys or single track sampler, like it would be real easy to justify, but to go out and spend, I mean, even like 30, $40,000 for something that's probably going to be like a weekend trip here or there. Totally. That, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. You know, people I mean, get like slide in truck campers and slide them in the back of their truck. You can find them used for like five grand it's way more comfortable than a built out van. And then you can take it off when you're not living in it and still have your truck back to normal. It's funny you say that. I actually was looking at some of those too. You could find some for like three, $4,000. I think you said five just a second ago, but, yeah. um, and anyways, but then I need to have a spot to put this huge box. Right. So right, I, that's true. Yeah. I was, I was thinking like, you know, Every time you go to make a purchase, you start out with, I'm going to do this the cheap way. And then you get like totally. to the stupid yeah. expensive way. And then you try to like bring yourself back. So what I was telling myself recently was maybe buying one of those like, like canvas toppers for the back of my truck and then have some modular pieces that I could slide in to the bed of my, my truck. That's like a place to sleep in some storage and then something where my bike would be able to slide in. I could throw that thing on when I wanted to be able to have it like built out so it's pretty comfortable for me to sleep in and my bike and maybe maybe make it room for two people to sleep in i don't know and, yeah. and then and then have a roof and everything like like so you just yeah. go somewhere park you know what i mean not have mm -hmm. to set up camp yeah yeah there's something to be said for the simplicity and cheapness of a tent too though if you want to go camping bad enough for all the listeners out there you don't need a forty thousand dollar setup Get a $200 tent, a good sleeping bag and pad, and there's so many amazing camp spots. We actually miss camping, living in the trailer so much. We don't consider this camping. And so we try to plan time to go live in the tents because just hearing the nature sounds and smelling the campfire, just being out in nature. It's different. It's so different. And these campers just kind of, even the van would like block it all out and it, it wasn't the same to us. So we're not complaining We we love our setup, but it's not a substitute for camping for us for sure. But you know, it's crazy because those, some of those vans are sweet, but they are expensive. Like, like you were saying, you know, you and a buddy were talking about getting one and it's not a bad idea. Cause that's how people do like houseboats. That's how people do any boats really like, um, like I'm from, uh, Northern California and like, usually people would go in on a boat with three of their best friends, you know, and then they'd all take turns going out on the Delta, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Is that same idea. Smart thing to, to go in on with someone, if you were going to go that route, because those vans, the nice ones are pricey. Vans suck to work on though. I'll tell you mm -hmm. that. Yeah. I'm just waiting for the YouTube, the YouTube money truck to show up and then I won't have to worry about it. Yeah. We're, it we're waiting for that one too. <laughs> How many subscribers are you guys at now? Uh, 16,000 on dusty Betty. And how's how's the more you explore doing? Thirty. We have thirty four. We're close to thirty five thousand now. 
have you guys got to the point where you're starting to do more more content up there? I know the last time I talked to you, uh, it seemed like Dusty Betty was kind of like taking all the time, and then Warrior Explorer was kind of taking a back seat. We have yeah. more passion about mountain biking than talking about trailers, but the people on the more we explore want to see trailer life stuff. Um, and pretty much D Dusty Betty's Tess's full-time job, in addition to being a full-time mother. And to me, the more we explore is like what I do after my 40 hour a week job when I'm not writing. And lately work's just been so crazy. It's been hard. I probably got 20 videos in the hopper that I need to edit and, uh, it's it's a little bit overwhelming. So we still we still do both. I do the more we explore now. Tess does Dusty Betty, but I still he has film. to juggle it. Like for Dusty Betty, I'm still the one holding the camera. I'm still follow camera wing with her. I still help her edit. We do a lot of it together. Um, Tess is just the beauty. A lot of irons in the fire. So it's tricky. Like I mean, ideally we like to get a video per week up on each channel, but the more we explore, like a lot of times if something has to get kicked off the priority list, sometimes it's, it's it always the more, we explore. the more we explore one. Yeah. <laughs> but it's in a healthy spot. Like I used to chase subs and there's more I could do to get subscribers, but I've stopped trying that. Um, it sounds like a cop out for being jealous that I don't have more subs and maybe it is, but it's big enough now that I can get what I need out of it and we can connect with a lot of people. We have great sponsors, it doesn't bring in a lot of money, but in order to do one month, we were super successful on that channel, but in order to do what it took to be successful that month, uh, it would ruin our quality of life. And it's tempting because it'd be fun, but it's not tempting enough to walk away from my nine to five job with benefits and awesome pay and retirement and all that stuff. So like, I don't know. It's alluring enough to be like, Hey, I might think about that, but it, I don't know. It's so volatile. Some months it's great and some months it's not. And I feel like the community surrounding mountain biking is a lot more rewarding. And so what we put into Dusty Betty, like we feel like we get a lot more out, you know, not just in terms of money because it, it's not a huge money maker right now. But but yeah, like the community side of it is a lot more rewarding for sure. Yeah. So where are you guys at in the States right now? We are in Tucson, Arizona. So this is our third time wintering in Tucson. We've, we've come the last three years. We spend like two months here and love it. There's some great trails. And because we've been coming here for so many years, we have a lot of friends in the riding community. So it's great because we always have people to ride with. And I so feel like- are, are you guys at like, at like a like a mobile home, like trailer park or like- Yeah, we're trailer trash. Yeah, yeah. So like sometimes we're in places where we can be in those beautiful, pristine locations you know, camping, you know, with beautiful red rock behind us. But sometimes when we're in more urban areas like Tucson, like, yeah, we're in a, we're in a park. We're in like, like a KOA kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I need internet full time for my job. So I can't just drive in the middle of nowhere where there's no cell service and work. So it sounds glamorous. Like I'm probably off playing in the mountains every day, but um, usually we're in the suburbs. It just depends. Mm -hmm. yeah. We've got some cool technology to make it possible to, have service where most people wouldn't but uh yeah it, we're there are still limitations to this life and we love them but you just trade one set of problems in a traditional life for a different set of problems and we like this set of problems better than living in a house yeah it's an interesting process like planning the travel because like if we're looking at going somewhere where we're going to be camping outside of town the first thing that we have to do before we get there um and and even decide where we're going to camp is you know i have to go and check 
online what the cell signal is in that specific location because it's we have to be connected for work. And van life and RV life is so popular with baby boomers retiring now and the younger millennials starting to do this. We're having to book our sites four to six months in advance. And so we really don't have the freedom to just kind of wander into a town, find a park, set up. Who knows if we'll stay for a week or four. You have to book it because there's no more spots. And oh, wow. uh, it, it's getting tricky. And so the news is out and people have caught on. And um, yeah, and this park we're at right now, next year is turning into a 55 and older park. So we're kicked out. We're not allowed to stay. So I don't know. It's it's getting harder to um, live this lifestyle. We still love it, but it's it's getting so populated that even like our campgrounds where there used to be one or two people now, now a big YouTuber will throw up the GPS coordinates and there'll be 50 people there when we go next time. And there's just garbage everywhere and it's just overrun. And I don't know, it's, it's a double-edged sword. So um, I don't mean to sound overly negative, but it's not like the Instagram pictures make it look like. Yeah. Yeah. It's, the, it's the, 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 the van lifer is definitely like, it's all like drone shots and bikinis and then oh, they never yeah. show, never show the like, oh, I pooped in a can because we don't have a toilet <laughs> in here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And some parts of the U.S. are better than others. This year we're going back east and we're, there's no, like we're from, uh, we, our last house was in Utah where it's 70% federal land. And so 70% of the state you can camp in, just pull off a dirt road and camp there. Going back east, that is not the case. So we have to know exactly where we're going to be every day, book way in advance, um, sometimes pay up to 40 bucks a night to get a spot. And so um, it's, and then when you're towing, if you hit a toll road, they charge you per axle. So we've got four axles. So sometimes to cross a bridge, it's 80 bucks. And so, what? you know, stuff like that oh, wow. it surprises you, but uh, it adds up, but it, we're excited to see our fans on the East coast. We haven't spent enough time out there to connect with everybody yet. But uh, that's definitely something that I'm working on while we're in Tucson is starting to lay more of our plans for the summer because yeah, going back East, it's, it's a lot harder to wing it. I mean, the smaller your rig is, the easier it is. Um, because sometimes parks will have, you know, if you have a short rig, you can fit in any spot. But if you have, you know, a longer rig, you need a long spot, you know, if you're if you're at a campground. So, yeah, so we kind of have to lay a lot of that stuff out ahead of time. And it's a lot of work, but, but yeah, we we're excited. It. We're excited to go back east for sure. So when you started your channel, Dust, or Dusty, Tess, uh, I'm, I'm like... Uh, mixing up Dusty Betty and Tess at the same time. <laughs> that so Tess, when you started your channel, did you like set out to do like a woman specific channel or you were just like, Hey, I want to do a mountain biking channel and I'm, I'm just a woman. Yeah. You know, Steve and I, we, when we started traveling full time, you know, we already had the more we explore that YouTube channel going. And um, the more we started traveling, the more we started mountain biking and getting more and more into it. And so when we, post videos on the more we explore that audience was mostly interested in the RV lifestyle. And so they're like, I don't want to watch you ride bikes. And I'm like, well, I want to ride bikes. So um, <laughs> you know, Steve didn't really have time or bandwidth to do another channel, but I just thought, well, then, you know, I'll start one with do kind of focus on the women's stuff and Steve can help me when he, when he can. Um, but you know, it's an opportunity to kind of focus on that perspective, but obviously like being my travel companion, Steve's Steve's still like, you know, he's on the channel, but yeah, I wanted to kind of do something for me. Like I, 
I, I came into mountain biking with a lot of timidity and it's still something that I, that I work on. And I know a lot of other women do too. And so I know that like, you know, there are a lot of awesome, like girls out there who just have no fear and they'll just hug themselves at things. And I, I think that's awesome. And I really admire that, but I think that there are also people who will be able to relate to me. So I thought, you know, I'll share it. <laughs> it's a fun balance. Yeah. Tess definitely went into it with the women's perspective. It wasn't, the story wasn't being told and a lot of women uh, don't feel comfortable going into a bike shop or um, working on their bike working on their bike or going to a group ride not knowing who's going to be there and this isn't like a gender equality thing it's just a lot of our friends that are girls don't feel comfortable with that and so dusty betty's a great place for either guys who are trying to get their girls stoked on riding to, to bring their girl over there or for girls that are already stoked or getting used to it, to see another girl like them struggling with similar things, who's not doing backflips, but who's riding regular trails and getting better every day. It was a great, a great opportunity for that. And it's, it's interesting because um, I have enough mountain bike content. I want to pop in on the channel every now and then and do stuff like I'm getting a new bike and I can't wait to build it up. And I'd love to release that on Dusty Betty, but it doesn't really fit in with the whole, um, you know, women's mountain biking thing. And YouTube is funny. If you start fragmenting your channel too much, you get a whole bunch of followers, but then they all come looking for 1% of what you offer and they get mad when the other 99% isn't what they do. So tell me about it. I, I, yeah. I, I was doing all POV videos and then started doing a two hour podcast. So yeah. like, yeah. So it's definitely like, you know, when I'll put out a new POV video and it gets, you know, another 100 or 200 subscribers because of that. And then the next thing that they see comes on Sunday night yeah. and it's two hours long, just me talking to, to somebody. They're like, what the heck is going on here? You know? For sure. Yeah. For sure. I think it's, you know, it's tough too. You know, it's like, um, <laughs> It's like on one hand, yeah, I mean, you guys definitely more doing it for a business than me. But on the other hand, you're like, I just want to have fun with what I'm doing. But if you don't have that growth in your channel and people being excited about it, then it it kind of takes away from the fun, you know? Yeah. Yes and, no. yeah. And, and it is time consuming, too. So it's like, I mean, at a certain point, I mean, it needs to be worth it because you know, when I create videos, I also try to create videos that I think people are going to want to see. That's a big part of it. But the motivation to do that completely goes away. If, if you know that there's no one on the other end, like watching the content, you'd be like, whatever. You know? and, yeah. and there are things you can do to grow a YouTube channel faster, like clickbait titles and emojis in the thumbnail and high drama. And we're not willing to do that. And yeah, it's just kind of not our style. It also yeah. brings, it brings authenticity and it's something that our sponsors actually prefer. Like they're okay. We have enough subscribers that they're, they're plenty fine with us doing what we do. Um, and I'm not, I, we're not better than people who have more subscribers. I'm not trying to say that, but it's a different strategy is we're not, we're not, I mean, we would love more subscribers. So everyone listening, head over to Dusty Betty <laughs> yeah. and subscribe. Right. Yeah, they hate like, subscribers. <laughs> there are things you can do to, to get more subscribers, but quality of subscriber is way more important than number of subscriber to us. And we've hung out with some YouTubers who have so many subscribers and their fans show up. And I'm just thinking, I'm so glad we don't have to deal with those fans um, 
because it's it's not the audience we're going for. And so anyway, that's not to that yeah. sounds negative. That's not so to throw anyone I, under the bus, but we are very uh, we are very particular about having strong fans with a strong message more than oh I hope I can trick somebody into clicking my video who wouldn't otherwise be interested in it, hoping that I can you know, beg them for a subscription that they may never watch again. So, yeah, I like, I just, I really want to like maintain like my own authenticity. And so if that's not what people are coming for, then it's like, you know, like a lot of, it used to be, you know, when you searched women's mountain biking on YouTube, it used to just like the top, like two pages of results were like chicks in bikinis on bikes and crap like that. And I was just like, I'd love to change that. And the cool thing is when you search women's mountain biking on YouTube now, like it has changed a lot. So yeah, every now and then like someone will stumble onto it, hoping for the chicks in bikinis on bikes and you can spot them a mile away with the things they say in the comments. And it's just kind of like, whatever. And they, they burn out, they lose interest and, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. It was interesting what you're saying too, about, you know, stand true to who you are, because honestly, I, I, I have the same kind of situation. I mean, my, my sub count is really low compared to how long I've been doing this, but the subscribers of my channel are like super engaged, Holy you know? Yeah. So, and that's one of those things that I have to have a conversation with like sponsorship type of deals where it's like, look, you can't judge me on my numbers. You know, you have to really look at how engaged my people are. And then yeah. on the other hand, it's just like what you said, like, I have, I don't want to really change who I am and who I am is the guy that's like making inappropriate jokes and like dropping the F bombs and this and that and the other. And that's just like, that's me. Right. So yeah. I, I could definitely like clean it up and probably get a lot more subs, but, but what's the cost of that? The cost of that is like not being genuine, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it's you. cool that it's, it's nice to be something that like when your viewers get to connect with you in person, like they're like, it's Robert, you know, they're not like, who is this person, you know? Right. Your fans are so loyal and they'll mm -hmm. be loyal forever. You don't have to worry about like ticking off 80% of your viewership one day with something you said, you know, they're going to come back because they know you. And <laughs> they, they already know that I'm going to say something that. ignorant. <laughs> we all do. And that's what's scary about YouTube is it's recorded forever and it was captured in the moment you were speaking but it's out there forever for other people to tell you you're an idiot over yeah. and over and over. Yeah. And we all do dumb things. Yeah. I just do a lot of them, a lot <laughs> of dumb things. <laughs> but you know, vulnerability, there are some people who on their channel will edit out, edit out any crash or any uh, mistake or any, they'll like take 40 takes to get something perfectly right. And that's cool too. But there's something to be said for everyday vulnerable people getting out there and putting it out there. And, you know, I mean, viewers could use a little bit more tact in realizing that people are putting it all out there and uh, and give cut people some slack. But people are getting a lot better than they used to. Yeah. And I feel like for me, um, doing this channel has been really good. It was kind of scary for me. I was like, I want to do a women's mountain bike channel. But I was like, but yeah, maybe I'll do it someday. But I really want to do it. But I'll do it someday. And Steve's like, if you're going to do it, just do it. But the, the real big hang up for me was that side of like being vulnerable. Like it was easier to just kind of on the more we explore, I could hide behind Steve a little bit more. Um, so putting myself at the forefront, like I'm not, I don't really feel like I'm a big attention seeker, you know, like 
Um, but I am passionate about mountain biking and, and I love being able to share my story. And so it's, it's provided me with like an opportunity for a lot of personal growth, like putting myself out there and, you know, like people have opinions about my riding and the bikes that I ride and if I deserve this or that. And, you know, I can't believe that you blank, you know, like it's just, there's always going to be those people out there, but it's been good for me. Um, and I'm glad that I do it because, you know, when I actually get to connect with women on the other side of my content and even some guys um, and they say, you know, I, I love what you're doing or, you know, you inspired me to ride more or, you know, I never really thought about developing skills. And now, you know, I go I'm going to a clinic. And so, yeah, like that's what it's all about. And it's that's why I do it. I don't love the attention, but I love inspiring people and being something that's relatable for them. Somebody asked something in the comments that's actually pretty, you know, intriguing to to ask. Um, what percentage of your viewers are female on Dusty Betty? You know, I haven't we, looked at the stats. Yeah, for we a play while, that card but... pretty close to the vest, but it's growing every day. But I have compared privately with some of my other friends who have YouTube channels. Because mine's like one percent or less. So I do have a, a a much bigger slice of female viewers than okay. any of the other. I mean, at the end of the day, it's still a male-dominated sport, and so, right. and I would imagine, you know, trying to kind of make that that to be like, oh no, she has seventy percent women. No, it's not going to happen. It's just well, not. and YouTube's super male-dominated. Girls don't just hop onto YouTube to watch mountain biking, and that's starting to change. But the things that girls watch on YouTube is very different than what guys watch. I think even you just have to look like, at the demographics. I mean, even when you go ride, I mean, it's not like there's more, if there's like, say there was 10 people in your group and there was two or more girls there, like that would be pretty much like, oh wow, that that where'd they come up with all those girls at, you know? Sure, I will say when we put together group rides or when we're out on the trail, and Tess organizes a ride, there's usually five plus women on every ride. It's yeah, awesome. it's really cool. Like I love, I love doing co-ed rides. Um, Cause it's, yeah, it's just kind of a great representation of just the mountain biking community in general, but it is cool to see. I feel like just in the short number of years that I've been riding, I see more and more women out there and more and more women showing up to co-ed group rides and it's cool. I can definitely say in the travel, in the, and I haven't done a lot of traveling, but in the little bit of like traveling that I can get within a, a tank of gas or so, um, there's certain areas that definitely have way more women in them than others. Totally. Like Absolutely. when I go down to Santa Cruz and ride, like like the UC area or something like that, it's like there's a lot of women riding down there. Yeah. Yeah. And we then also Oregon too. When I was up there, I noticed a, a lot more women on the trails. Mm -hmm. Colorado's got a ton of Montana. Women. Like when you go to Montana, you'll see just as many women at the trailhead yeah. as men. And yeah, I, I think Colorado's the same way. It's it's pretty cool. Also, a lot of the viewers are watching with their little daughter, which is so cool to hear that, you know, we've got so many guys that say, I watch this with my six-year-old and she went to the pump track for the first time, or I watch this with my wife and she's finally going to try to get up a curb now because she's got best to it. And so what we're seeing is a lot of people are watching it as a group activity, which is really unique. Yeah. And it's not something that's represented in the demographics, but I'm amazed at when we go to mountain biking festivals and events, like I would say that like the vast majority of people who approach me and say, hi, 
they're usually couples, which is really cool because you know we're a couple who rides together. I'll tell you right now, I really think, um, and I'm going to try to bite my tongue for your viewers. I really think that the analytics on YouTube are just full of it because there's so many ways that they can be sl like slanted and just give you inaccurate data. So totally. how many, how many women are watching with their husband on their husband's account? Right. You know what I mean? Like right. when, when you see when the, the drop off of, Oh, everybody leaves at six minutes. I can tell you myself, a million times we'll watch three minutes of a video, walk away, come back, watch another three minutes of the video, click on something else. Cause I had, you know, I'm, I'm doing it while I'm at work. It may take me four times to watch a video all the way through. So I'm like, I'm destroying an analytics myself. So yeah. I know if I'm doing it, there has to be tons of other people doing it. Yeah. And, and Steve kind of touched on this, but another thing that's interesting is women still engage in the online community differently than men do. And I would say, even though we're seeing more and more women on the trails, I would still say that women are not quite as engaged in the online mountain biking community. That is changing just like on the trails, but, um, but it's, it's not quite the same like women. And that was a big part too. I wanted to do a women's mountain biking uh, YouTube channel was I wanted to create a space where women felt like, you know, like, I don't know, just like, even when you're on pink bike, like, even though they'll do articles on women and stuff like that, you still just kind of feel like it's a boy's place that girls are at sometimes too, you know, but I wanted it to kind of be flipped where Dusty Betty is like a women's place that guys are at too, you know? So yeah. Yeah. You know, I felt like when I started my channel and, and I think this is similar to what you're trying to say, but, um, like when I started my channel, what I was seeing on YouTube wasn't what I was experiencing with my friends, mm. you know? And I think yeah. that's, you know, when, so I was like, I want to show where it's like, we're, you know, being unhappy about climbing or we're, right. you know, joking around in some rock instead of riding. And like, yeah. then maybe we, we turn around halfway through because we were just like, whatever, it's hot. Let's go sit down at the truck and drink beer. Okay. You, you know, yeah. like, like, and I think it's the same thing with what you're saying is like, you know, you're, you're experiencing this ride that you're doing with other women and um, your friends and stuff like that. And that wasn't really being represented. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And a lot of girls are scared to reply in the comments. I, they're just not ready yet. But they'll send, I mean, Tess will release a video and get two female comments in the comments section and get 20 emails from women saying, hey, I really liked your video, this, this, this. I had a couple questions. And Tess will say, post, post those in the comments. The more girls see other girls posting, the more this will change and the more other people can chime in and help you, but they're just not quite comfortable there yet. I wouldn't doubt it though. That part of it is just like, you have to deal with all these dipshit guys out there that are going to like yeah, say something to them then, you know, it's like, Oh, it, this is not a dating app. I'm trying to ask about, you know, YouTube about mountain biking. I think that's a big part of it. Huge. You know, like it's just, I like, I love the co-ed community, but I still realize that for a lot of women, it's intimidating. So that's, that's a really big part of what I do. Cause if you're a woman and you comment on like a channel that's about makeup, you're not worried about like these male trolls, like coming in and being rude. Whereas on, in a, on a mountain biking one, like that's still a concern, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's weird how like people have this like keyboard courage where they'll just say yeah. these like ignorant things online where I, I, 
all the time when I see, I mean, I don't get a whole lot of like bad comments. Honestly, if I do most, excuse me, most of the time I think that they're joking and um, don't realize that they're actually really trying to make fun of me. But um, I, I think that um, I always think to my, oh, I'm sorry. I always think to myself, like, would you say that to me if we were standing in front of each other at the, at the trailhead? No and like 90% of these people wouldn't, you know? And the yeah. same thing goes with, with, I'm sure as a woman, like I can only imagine, like I can only imagine what that's like. We yeah. have to do a lot more pervert monitoring on Dusty Betty than we do on the more we explore. I'll say that. Yeah. Like, you know how you, in YouTube, like for anyone who's watching, like if you haven't, um, curated a YouTube channel, like you can have words that get flagged in comments and then you have to approve those before they show up. And I've got a list about yay long of words that, <laughs> that are flagged. And uh, every now and then a comment will pop up and I'm like, oh, there's a new one to add to the list. <laughs> you know, I didn't think of that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously, like, that's creative. <laughs> that's creative. <laughs> yeah. oh, I love it. <laughs> I guess that's so, the sign you're getting, you're having more influences when the trolls start coming out. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's just part of it, I guess. Yeah. I, I think the way that I approach it, they're just like, uh, oh, never mind. <laughs> Cause they'll be like, Oh my God, you're so fat. You need to get in shape. And I'm like, I know. Right. And they're like, oh, wait, that didn't work. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. <laughs> I and totally like didn't said, catch that. And like yeah. you said, you know, sometimes you just, just, even if they weren't joking, sometimes you just take it as that, like, that's a gift. Like I should be more like that. And like, not let it get under my skin because yeah it's like i mean there are yeah. some comments that i had from like four years ago that ring in my head when i have self-doubt and just remind me and make me you know lose confidence and those things stick with people and I, like you said it's never something someone would say to your face but man it, it eats away at your self-esteem and some people have a really thick skin and i need to grow a thicker skin and good for them yeah but it does affect me and it's it's sad and you know, I'll just be sitting there eating lunch one day and then that comment will come back that they made and it'll just ring in my head and get me all down again. For yeah. Me, and I'm the same way. For me, it's not the comments. For me, it's this like, I have this idea of where I want my channel to be and where I think it should be and how I think it should be growing. And I just beat myself up over that. And, and then give myself anxiety about getting my edits out or not getting them out. Or then I don't communicate with people because I got a bunch of anxiety about it. And it's really has nothing to do with anything more than just me beating myself up, you know? Yeah. It's tough. It feels like you're running for class president and you're not the popular kid at school and someone else is getting votes and you're like, why is, why is nobody voting for Pedro? Right. And, but then, then you think about it and you're like, like, for instance, I mean, I have 6,200 subscribers, like that's a shit ton of people, you know, like your core subscribers. They're just, that's a lot of people. You, you know what I mean? Like if I saw 6,000 people standing in front of me, I'd be like, oh my God. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it's then, true. Then you look at somebody, uh, but you're just always constantly judging yourself against somebody else's channel. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, yeah. well, they have 15,000 or they have 50,000 or they have 120,000, you know, and just um, it, it's tough not to like set your sights on something that's probably out of reach, especially if you're, you know, managing a family and a full time job, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
but so let's let's play hypothetical YouTube. Let's say we made a video and we're trying to get make it as viral as possible, get as many subs as we can. And your your uh, thumbnail, we never see this sarcastic emoji here. Is is this the hardest trail in blank state? Question mark. Question mark. Question mark. Right. And then we show a picture of someone crashing with like them with their hands on their face, like oh my gosh. And then uh, the whole thing is just infused with drama and. Um, you won't believe what happened next. Okay, so you you release that video, and you get ten thousand subs out of that. Why did they sub? Yeah, because they want that that. You know. And are yeah. you going to do that every video? And do you want to? Some people yeah. are. That's their personality. And I know there are things we could do to to gain that, but I, I just think like. And most of the YouTube viewers, and I'm painting with a really broad brush here, and this is just my opinion, but most of YouTube viewers are looking for that sort of thing. They're watching one video off to the side. There's this little thumbnail that they are not really interested in the real content, but the thumbnail and the title's catchy enough. It's almost like a National Enquirer that you'll click on it just out of curiosity, and hopefully the content's good enough to lure you in that you'd want to watch another one. But yeah. I don't know. Like to me, I, I wouldn't like 10,000 subs that clicked on it because they were expecting some crazy drama and to know if such and such trail really is the hardest one or I don't know. I, and so I'm not hating on people that do that, but for us, like we would get more subs if we did that. Or if Ch Tess was in a bikini in every single one, we'd have way more subs, but yeah. at what cost? And so like our, and I, I don't mean to speak for Tess. We talk about this just about yeah. every single <laughs> night. But our goal is not to make our YouTube channel so big that it pays for itself off of YouTube ad revenue alone. I mean, that would be great. But we are trying to make an impact on the mountain bike community in a long-term way. And YouTube is one way to do that. But what YouTube is doing is opening up doors for us to have conversations with people that we would never have if we weren't influencers and people have now heard about it. They see the logo. They see it. When we go to events, they say, hey, you know, we've been following you. We've got this charity coming up and we'd like you to get involved. And so what it is for us is a passageway to be able to make an impact on girls in the world and let them know that this is a fun way to get out and couples should do this too. And, and guys should follow along too. And, and so our end goal is not grow the YouTube channel as big as possible, as fast as possible. That would be great, and I'm, I'm not. It's not just sour grapes, but kind of our strategy is a little different. Yeah, and um, sorry, I know this is like super long-winded, but kind of going back to our experience with our initial YouTube channel, where we kind of we had this certain audience that was interested in our traveling lifestyle, and then suddenly, like, we wanted to post more mountain biking stuff, and they didn't want to see that. It made me very aware of the idea of what kind of audience I'm cultivating, and I just right. wanted. Be careful that I'm cultivating the kind of audience that is going to continue to stay engaged in the in the kind of videos that I want to be making. And so, yeah, so that that was something that I got out of that experience, and it's something that I have a mind toward when, as I continue to create content. When I started my channel, I really started because I just wanted to make videos, and I thought it would be fun. <laughs> and um, th there's you know there's a, a myriad of, of reasons outside of that, but essentially that was it. And I remember saying like. 
I'm not quitting my job anytime soon. I do IT. I make a, a good salary. Like yeah. it, it, it's the, the bar is set pretty high for YouTube to get me to a point where I can, where I can quit. Plus I live in California. It's, it's freaking expensive out here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so on YouTube in the split second, like, right. We don't know what YouTube's going to look like in three to five years. Right. I mean, it, it could just turn into the clickbait like wheelhouse. And if you're not doing that, you're not, you're not doing anything, you know, it could change one thing about how the payouts happen and it could turn everything on its head. You just never yeah. know. So, I mean, I think that, um, I forget what my point was at that. Well, so you first just, you were, you were in it and you were waiting for that moment. You could go big on YouTube. Yeah. I think, you know, whenever I started, like I, I knew I wasn't going to do that, you know? And then after I started doing it and I was seeing the growth and I, I think, in my head, I started buying into it. Like, oh, maybe I can make this happen. Maybe I can. And 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 I was just chasing this dream of something that, at this point, I've realized is still not really close to being realistic and anytime soon. So, like for me, I recently just had to come to terms with that, you know, and be like, you know what, you need to keep doing this because you enjoy doing this. And if someday it ever got there, that you know you could quit your job that'd be awesome but stop mm -hmm. setting your sights on it because you're just like it's been two years i have freaking 6200 awesome subscribers i am still six thousand miles away from freaking being anywhere close to even thinking about quitting my job <laughs> you know what i mean yeah so yeah. i think uh, at the end of the day i just want to make content that i'm happy with and i just want to like keep building this community and being part of it you know like that to me like I, I i've i've come to the realization like even if i'm the crappiest youtuber out of the mountain bike youtubers like i'm i'm cool with that if it just gets me in the club you know what i mean you're not the crappiest you're the man we love hanging out with you and uh i don't know like it's part of it's in your control and part of it isn't and yeah i i we, there's no doubt that we would love to see bigger numbers I, right. and it's addictive. And when you create stuff, I mean, you put 40 hours into a video and it gets 500 views the first week and you're just like, geez, I, wh what's going on? Like that took me 40 hours. And how many of those videos does it take to get a free hat from a company or a free set right. of great ads? And so people are like, well, at least you're sponsored. And it's like, we are so grateful to our sponsors and we're pretty picky who we do pick up as sponsors, but it's not like, like they're just cutting checks to us left and right and giving yeah. us unlimited every, I mean, people, yeah. it, it takes a heck of a lot of work to get to that point. And so when someone asks, should I start a YouTube channel? I'm thinking of, you know, my daughter wants to start a YouTube channel and make some money on it. And I'm like, send her to college and get a real job <laughs> and then buy whatever you want and don't have to deal with YouTube because that's way easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So um, I'll tell you guys this. I I'm pretty sure I've told you this in person before, but my favorite ride that I did last year and not the trail itself, but my favorite ride that I did just like what that day was, was the day that we went to Downeyville together. And I tell people this all the time and they always are shocked because you guys are pretty PG compared to me. So they always feel yeah. like, like, how, how did that happen? You know, cause you guys are definitely, you know, like on the religious side and, and, um, you could tell that maybe I'm, I'm a little bit closer to the other side. I don't know. 
You're the biggest teddy bear. You're Robert is such a sweetheart, and you mean it first. And I mean, you know, it comes through on his channel. He is just the most likable person. Yeah. And strong language aside, there there is we don't see ourselves as different people at all. Like you, I mean, yeah. But I that think, I think what it really comes down too. to. I think what it really comes down to is like just a minute ago, like when you were talking about um, your the channel and everything, like both of you guys, I'm just listening to it. And I was like, I just really like these people, man. Like you, you guys have that down to earth, like real vibe. That is like the people that I hang out with, you know? And, and I think that when we went out and we had that ride, it was, there was no expectation of how many miles we were going to get in or how fast right. we were going to go. I mean, we were like, tromping through snow up to our knees at some point <laughs> we lost the trail so like it was raining like it, it was like if, if you were like like setting it up for what a good ride would be that would be like the worst ride yeah you know but, but man yeah. we just had such a great time just chatting and talking and like we 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 we, we all did some things that we maybe didn't want to do or like didn't feel like we could or you know it's just it was just a really really good day and i feel like that's what mountain biking's about. It's not about like going out and seeing how many like miles you can crush or how how big of a backflip you can do or whatever. Like I, I tell people all the time, or I've started telling people this because I, I I realized this recently that I actually don't really care about getting better at riding. Like like yes, I want to like learn how to do this or get better at jumping off of that. But like that is like the least part of what I'm thinking about when I go riding. Yeah. Like, like some people are going out and they're like, they're, they're just trying to step their game up, step their game up. And it's like, no, I just want to, if I can ride between 15 and 20, 25 miles, 2000 to 4,000 feet elevation, that's all I want to do, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, just have a good time doing it. That day, 100%, man. And that day, like, I, I agree, man. That was one, every now and then you go on those rides and you're like, trail magic. Like, that day was trail <laughs> Like, it was, like, people, like, you got to go back and watch the video because it was, like, it was just a group of four of us, which was just enough people to make it, like, fun and have people to hang out with. And it was, like, pre, um, what do you want to say? It was, like, shoulder season, you know, before, like, Downeyville gets really busy. So we kind of felt like we had it to ourselves a little bit. It and was amazing. It was just such a cool day. It's such a, you know, like, just Robert and one other friend and Steve and I. And it was trail magic. That was such a fun day. But we're with you. That's what makes a ride amazing for us. I had a conversation with someone earlier this week who said, hey, you've ridden with a lot of the YouTubers. Who's the best? And I'm like, um, I don't know. I don't, I'm not really categorizing people and everyone has their strengths. And to me, um, I don't really care who's the best. It's everyone's got their own style. And, and I've had a, even just this week, so many conversations that some people will, will go on a ride with them and it's their home trail. And it's always their advantage. We don't know how much energy to exert because we don't know if a killer climbs coming or, a killer downhill is coming. So we just kind of mosey and save our energy depending on what happens. We'll start at the trailhead and boom, they're gone. And we don't see them for 20 minutes. And I'm just <laughs> like, why are we riding together? Cause we have very different, uh, we have very different conceptions about what a mountain bike ride is. And to me, it's what I do to forget about all the crap in life that gets you down. It's being in nature, but it's being with friends. It's stopping every 10 minutes to session something. It's saying, man, did you almost fly off that corner too? So did I. And it's 
putting away the stopwatches and the timers and the yeah. weighing your bikes and 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 uh, everyone comes at it from something different. Yeah, it's, it's interesting here in Tucson. Yeah, go ahead. I always say that I ride bikes to get rid of stress, not to make stress. Yeah. You know, and when people get like way into it that much, like for me, it's like. Dude, you're turning this into a job, man. I'm yeah. doing this. To, I'm doing this to forget about everything. I just want to come out here and be like, "Oh, I got a flat tire. I don't give a crap. We're gonna yeah. sit here and talk while we change it for 25 minutes and then forget right. that we why we stopped." You know, like it doesn't matter, man. But there's so many people that, and I don't know if it's the YouTubers they watch or their bike shop or just how they were introduced to it. But their idea of mountain biking is when we when we get all suited up and we say go first one to the top wins and we try to be that first person and like to me that is not who i want to be riding with and i get that some people get that and that's cool too but man to me downeyville is totally what it's all about and uh, that's what we try to recreate the guys that i learned how to ride mountain bike from were like you know it was the early 90s they were you know burnout hippies from the seventies. Like yeah. they wanted to stop every 30 minutes and smoke a doobie. And I was uh-huh. like, you know, just some little grom that was like, I don't care. I'm here outside. This is cool. You know? And uh-huh. like their, their perspective of like, Hey, did you see that piece of trash on the trail? Pick it up, you know, or like, Hey, those are horse people stop over here and then ask them what they want to do. And like, be courteous, be like, be like, be part of this community and don't like, like, dig it into the grave, you know? And, and, yeah. and um, I think it's that perspective that I've always just really enjoyed the group, the, the guys that I like to ride with, like, like you were saying, where we come up on some rock and we end up spending like 35 minutes trying to session yeah. this thing yeah, and then get to the point where, where we're like, ah, oh, screw it. Well, I guess we're not doing that ride anymore because the sun's going down, you know, <laughs> but nobody cares because we just had fun. Right. You know, <laughs> That's think, a missing, and that's rare these days, at least with the people we ride with. Yeah, yeah. So you guys are traveling quite a bit. Where Where is your, like, sweet spots? Wherever if you're allowed to say them degrees. before everybody else is there. Yeah, wherever yeah. it's 70 degrees. Yeah, we definitely follow the weather. Um, I mean, I always love our two months in Tucson, honestly. Like, I love it here because we've been here long enough to kind of zero in and find like our tribe here. Cause like in Tucson, there's a lot of road riders who do something for people that don't know what Tucson's like. Cause when they hear Tucson, they think Arizona and they're either thinking maybe like a, a Sedona kind of landscape, but I, Tucson's not like that. It's a little bit more like, it's like high desert, but with pines and stuff, isn't it? Yeah. So um, down in the valleys, it's it's interesting. Um, there's a lot more vegetation here than there is in the Phoenix area. That's what most people think of when they think of Arizona. When I say vegetation down in the valley, I mean just tons and tons of cacti everywhere, like lots of saguaro, those big giant ones that look like they have arms. And um, typically what you think of in Arizona, you don't find that in Phoenix, but you come south to Tucson, an hour and a half south. We're probably an hour from the Mexican border, but it it's probably... 3,000 feet elevation yeah. around here. So we're yeah. high enough to get good rain and it's, but it's all the trails are like covered in kitty litter. So everywhere you go is like a quarter inch of kitty litter on top of everything. All the granite just decomposes on it. And there's also mountains surrounding Tucson. There's like a kind of a lowish mountain range. 
And then on one side of Tucson, there's this big mountain called Mount Lemon. And that's where all I the didn't... downhill kind of esque trails are. I didn't know there was all that elevation down there. My son's down that way at Fort Huachuca doing uh -huh. some training in the army. And um, he came home and he was like, oh man, I wonder what it's going to be like to run here in the elevate with the elevation lower. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And like where he's at is like 5,000 feet elevation. Yeah. And, yeah. And I didn't even like, I've driven like 10 from Phoenix over to like Texas, you know? And when you're out there on 10, it just looks like everything's flat. There's nothing around. So I, I totally had no clue that down South that there was like mountains down there. That's why we love it. You're surrounded yeah. by mountains and some of the best trails in Tucson are under two feet of snow right now. We can't ride them. Yeah, it's crazy up in the mountains. Yeah, <laughs> so right. 73 degrees today on our ride and it was beautiful, but way up in the mountains, it's uh, up on Mount Lemon. There's this- I'll have to get down there. I'm really excited. You know, Arizona really surprised me. I uh, never really even thought about riding there. And then um, last year when I was heading to Sedona Mountain Bike Festival, I stopped in, in Phoenix and I rode South Mountain. And yeah. that was actually the favorite, that was my favorite quote unquote ride trail, like for the, like the trail itself ride yeah. last year was just like, I hate climbing obviously, but like, <laughs> I just was infatuated with how difficult the climbs were because That's it was like, this was a place where you're like, you just want to keep coming back. Cause you're like, I want to be able to get that one rock today. And mm -hmm. maybe next week I can get that one rock, you know? So and then the downhills were just like, I like that techy, chunky stuff. And yeah. it was just so much fun. Just so much fun there. Yeah. I remember seeing your video there. And like, I saw your video just before we went there for the first time. And I agree. Like the kind of climbs that I like aren't just ones that are just agonizingly Grinders. steep. There's stuff yeah. that there's interesting, interesting um, rock features and things like that, where you kind of have to pick a line and some things are session worthy and maybe you stop and take a couple cracks at something and save something else for the next ride. Cause you couldn't nail it. Like right. South mountain has some, some fun stuff. It's one of my top 10 trails in the nation for sure. I, I think that's what all climbs should be like. We rode it two weeks ago with the queen of the mountain and there were four other women there and, she was encouraging me to try all these cool lines I hadn't seen. And it was so fun to be pushed by such an awesome female rider. Yeah. The, and the whole riding, man, there's some really awesome riders in Arizona. And, and like, once you kind of tap into like the right kind of tribe for you, because there's, you know, like, like I was saying, there's different kinds of mountain bikers. Like you just you find this amazing community here in phoenix and in tucson and like it's it's really cool so <clears throat> how is it um living living in this tiny little space ra raising a, a baby because i know whenever i had a little toddler i, I mean you're not there yet i mean fortunately, yeah. she's still like she's probably just getting to the point where she can maybe sit up once she starts moving like I mean, but even having another person in that space, like, what is that like? Yeah, I mean, we've been doing this for like three years. So for us, like living in this space is pretty normal. But as far as like her development, you know, in this environment, like we're just experiencing it for the first time. I mean, so far it's it's okay though. It's not been bad. I'm really glad that we, that we got into a trailer that has more room. Cause now I feel like 
she has room to learn to crawl and to walk and things like that. Um, she has so, room to learn how to work on a mountain bike too. She'd be like, yeah, oh, back yeah. there and those tires. <laughs> but we don't know any better because we've been doing it for so long. It's just kind of like, well, you know, you bring a baby home. <laughs> Another thing that changes in a in this lifestyle is we spend way less time indoors than a pe person in a traditional house. We're at right. parks. We are at trailheads. We are hiking. We are outside until the sun goes down every day. <laughs> and so she's. we're really only in here for an hour or two till she goes to sleep. It, it's her bedtime right now, so Sorry. she's a little fuzzy. <laughs> no, that's all right. Hey, man, it, it is what it is. Authenticity um, there. So uh, I totally forgot what I was going to say now. I know. She <laughs> threw us off. Right? She does that from time to time. but It's a, it's a game changer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's, anyway, yeah, like we were just talking about little kid uh, in our small space with us, but. Yeah. And it's pretty different from the norm, but you look a hundred years ago and people lived in houses where it was all one room. And I right. kind of yearn for those days when there was one great room and then bedrooms off to the side of it. Yeah. And now it's like everyone go in your corner and don't interact with the person next to you. And there's right. a separate entertainment room and, yeah. and the baby. Over I don't know. So I miss those days when like homes brought people together around the fireplace instead of everyone has a TV in their room and they all scatter and go watch their own show. It really brings us closer together as a family and we have way less stuff and we have way more time to do what we love because we have less stuff and yeah. we live a debt free life and we are, we love it. So how do you guys, how do you guys manage riding between the two of you now? Ooh, that's been the biggest challenge. Yeah. I'll um, let, uh, you want me to answer that while you take no, care of the baby? I, I can talk about it. So, we just have to take turns now. Oh, sorry. You may have to go outside with her because she's, I think she's trying to drop a deuce. Oh, <laughs> Oh, only on the biker channel do you get the deuce dropping, man. We can, we can do that. <laughs> Live. Um, yeah, so it, there's a lot of tag teaming it for us to both ride. We we usually, Steve and I usually get two or three rides in a week. And uh, yeah, we just kind of take turns. We, um, at the beginning of every week, we just kind of sit down and decide who's going to ride what days. And then the other person stays home with baby and, and one person gets to go out and ride, hopefully usually with friends. And yeah, you may need to take her out. Um, it's cold outside. She's not going to like it. Um, and then on Saturdays, usually we just pack up the whole family with our lunches and we go ride and Steve will ride a lap and then I will ride a lap. And yeah, so we just kind of make the most of it, do the best we can. So what do you uh, what do you ride nowadays, Tess? Um, bike. My what yes. bike am I riding? Yeah, I yeah. am riding a Spot Rolex six oh seven right now. Mm -hmm. It's a one fifty one. It's a one fifty bike with a one sixty fork. And that's a twenty seven um, five. Yes. Mm -hmm. So do either one of you guys ride twenty niners because you guys are both a little shorter than me. I, I remember when we took a picture for Instagram. It looks like I'm an ogre. <laughs> yeah, I showed somebody that picture just the other day because it looks it makes me really look like I'm like 12 feet tall and like 900 pounds or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, right now we're both running 275 and then we we each have a hard tail and those are plus bikes. Um but so that's almost a 29er then. 
yeah, height-wise. And um, Steve actually is kind of softening to 29ers, like, for certain things, you know? Like, when I was, like, super-duper pregnant toward the end of my pregnancy, he demoed a bike. I can't even remember what it was. But it was a 29er, like, kind of a lower travel bike. Just something for, like, smooth trails when you just want to just crank out the miles. And it was actually really really, really fun. Um, so Steve's kind of softened to the idea a little bit. One problem that I struggle with, which I feel like is getting a little bit better with 29ers, um, but a lot of 29ers with the geometry of the bike, sometimes at slow speeds when you're steering with the bars, I mean, most of the time you can lean the bike, but at slow speeds when you're turning with the bars, sometimes when you turn the, uh, the bars, the tire will kick your foot off the pedal. If that makes uh, sense. Oh yeah, like, I know what you're saying. Kinda, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an it, overlap, and uh, so almost, almost like a road bike because they're yeah, not meant to turn, right? Yeah. So on small frames, like that's a little bit freaky for me. Granted, there aren't many. Oh yeah, because it'd, it'd be even bigger for you guys on a uh, right. on a smaller frame. Yeah, that totally makes sense because you guys both ride a small, right? Um, Steve, or maybe he Steve rides a medium, but every yeah. now and then he'll ride it. He does. You're right. He does have some small bikes as well. Yeah. Uh, just because. Just it just depends on the reach and kind of what he's going for, but I have a theory on why why Steve's growing on the twenty nine er, and and I think it has everything to do with the chameleon, because that <laughs> thing that thing I've been riding mine with the twenty nine wheels on it right now. I'm getting ready to build some twenty seven five plus, but I bought the twenty nine er build so that I could have some perspective on it. Mm -hmm. And th this is actually the first twenty nine er that I've ridden that I've actually enjoyed. Yeah. So riding 29ers is different for me. It My objective becomes speed, and I kind of turn into one of those Strava guys and see how much speed I can carry through stuff. But I've ridden a lot of 29ers I don't love. And the, the problem – so the problem – I was hoping we'd talk geometry, but I won't go down that rabbit hole too much. I love talking short-person geometry because right now bikes are getting really good at working for tall people. Um, but the whole wheel size debate is not helping small people. Yeah, and definitely. If your reach is shorter than your chainstay, you've got a problem. And every size small bike has that. Where the re the distance from your um, the vertical distance from your bottom bracket to where you grab the bars to the to the front of the fork is shorter than the back end of your bike. That's a problem. And people who ride medium and large and extra large frames, that never happens. But so let's say you got a 450 mil reach. Imagine having a 450 mil or 470 mil chainstay. That's ridiculous. And right. it would totally change how the bike rides. And with 29ers, you can only fit, I mean, the shortest you can get on a 29er is 415 on like a Trek stash. And that has the crazy curved seat tube. Right. And you have to do that on a hardtail. I've never seen a full suspension with shorter than 430 chainstays. Yeah. So that means if you're going to have equal reach with 430, that you need a 430 reach. And that's usually size mediums. Yeah. And so a lot of people are like, 29ers are faster, they're better. And these bike employees are pushing them so hard. Even 27.5, there are a lot of women 5'2 that can ride 29ers. But they're not learning how to bunny hop. They're not right. hitting dirt jumps. They're not... Um, doing all the technical moves in Sedona, maybe one or two. But when you're that small, even a 27.5, like my inseam 
I can't straddle a 29er tire. I can't fit it between my legs. I'm, okay. My legs are shorter than a 29-inch <laughs> wheel. So, like, that that really comes into play. As fast right. and fun and flowy as they are. Um, and surprisingly, I haven't ridden the Chameleon in 29 form yet. I need to. Yeah, for me, the 29er just, it always just, it, I, this is the best way I can say it. I always just felt like it picked its own line and it, it wasn't twitchy enough. And even for me going to 27.5, from 26 i i struggled with it and it was like okay i can see this rollover helps and stuff like that and i felt like that was the com compromise but the 29ers for the most part when you get into that real rocky technical kind of twitchy kind of stuff they just don't shine there you know unless you're like mashing over the top of stuff and and i i am um, that's that's just the way i feel you know and yeah. everybody's entitled to their own opinion right yeah and a lot of people like the the things that you just mentioned that you don't like about it that's what a lot of people like about it. So yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and I think it's gotten easier. I mean, there's that phrase, there's no such thing as a bad bike these days. And I completely disagree with that phrase. And a lot of people disagree with me and that's fine. But I think what's happened is people have now used that excuse to not have to learn about geometry or suspension characteristics or any of that. And now they just use it as an excuse of, Therefore, I'm justified to buy the cheapest bike on the planet and it'll be the best bike for my situation without doing the due diligence and research. So I feel like there's a couple of things that you really need to pay attention to. You know, like one of them is definitely like head tube angle. Yeah. What would be another one? Chain I stay. feel like chainstay. Yeah, for short people, because like when you're trying to learn a bunny hop, you know, I'm trying to like learn to wheelie. Like it's a matter of leverage. The longer that chain stay is, if you're a small body, you just, it's so much harder to get the leverage to get the front end of the bike up. Also, and so it matters a ton if you're a short person. And so yeah. like, I mean, I think in an ideal universe, like bikes would have wheel sizes that are relative to the side of the rider. Granted, there would be some amount of wheel size based on what kind of riding and what kind of characteristics you want. But, um, I think you'll see that. I mean, ultimately, I think that's what's happening. You know, I yeah. think that's why you still see some people going out and buying 26 inch bikes that that are shorter because they can just they can have more fun on them for whatever reason. Totally. Well, and that's why some of these really tall guys are like going out and buying these 29ers and like wishing they had bigger wheels. You know, it. it I truly get it. 31s i'd love to see that for the really big guys it just makes sense yeah i mean think about a dude that's like like six seven six eight you know what i mean like even on an extra large bike that would be like me almost riding like a medium it's or a true small, yeah. you know, it's just like it would just be like i'd feel like a praying mantis on the thing you know like <laughs> so go look up the dirty sixer there's this guy that makes 36 inch bikes for shack and big basketball players and when they're on them they just look proportional but it's got a 36 inch unicycle wheel right and, uh, and they look they just look right and so i think i think we've got some some uh work to do there i think we could go bigger um but i think people latch on to wheel size also as a way to not have to research the bike or do test rides and they just say 29ers are better therefore every 29er is a better bike for me than every 650b or back or flip-flop that and and it's one part of the equation and i also think people a lot of people and i've fallen victim to this you buy a bike 
for the tr the hardest trail you've ever ridden that you ride maybe two times a year because right. you once rode it and you were able to clean this insane section and it made you feel like the man. So therefore, you got this monster bike that can handle that. But for ninety nine percent of your rides, it's the wrong bike. That's why I've been really loving the Chameleon lately. Yeah, it's just like like having a bike that actually fits a lot of the cross country, like all of us mountain bikers do. We're not hitting a gnar on every trail. No. You, you know what I mean? And so like a, a good cross country bike that's maybe slack like the Chameleon, or if I had something that was like that, what a short travel, if it was full suspension, you know, like that, I've been surprised. The fork that came on my bike, I'm gonna change it out eventually, but right now it's 120 millimeters of travel. And when I first got that bike, I was riding out there in Granite Bay where you guys and I yeah. had ridden together and I came up to some rock and it was like my first day riding the bike. And I like stopped. It was like this little, like six, six inch, like little step down. And I was just like, I don't know if this thing can handle. I don't know. What, you know what I mean? Like I was just like yeah. nervous and I I've been right. Oh, that was my first time on the flats, but I just, I just remember thinking like, I don't know. I don't know what this can handle. And now that I'm more comfortable on the bike, I'm like, dude, this thing can handle a lot. And yeah. 120 millimeters of travel is like, I'm still not feeling like kunk. I didn't feel like I hit the bottom of it, you know? Yeah. And, and even with the hardtail where I was expecting, cause I haven't been on a hardtail since the nineties. So I was expecting like, just to get my brain rattled, you know? And, and holy crap, what do you know? If you have a dropper that, that, that can get all the way down to the seat post, like you, you're, or to the seat collar. I mean, your, your legs are, are a whole ton of suspension, you know, it's like, this thing has been great. Like I did, like, I definitely feel it on the chatter sometimes whenever you're sitting through the chatter, like maybe in the lower back. But other than that, I, I really, I, I've been digging it. And Steve and I, both of us have plus tires on our hard tails. And I think the plus tires really pair very well with right. the hard tails. Cause it's kind of like you said, you know, you've got your body that you can kind of add to the suspension and you can also kind of add the plus tires a little bit right. and down a little bit more. And are you guys, are you guys running Kush core too? No, I think sometimes I think Steve should be running Kush core in the rear because he, he does some, he's done some pretty big drops this year. And, uh, there have so, been a few tire fatalities. I will tell you that the guys at Kushkor would would be upset to hear you think about only doing it in one wheel. But, um, <laughs> right. Um, but that's what I was really thinking about with the 27.5 plus. And I, I'm definitely a, a lot bigger guy. So that the idea of having that stability on the in the tire, I think will really add a lot for somebody my size. I, I mean, you guys are, are a lot smaller than me, so I could see where maybe you're, you're not thinking that it's worth it, you know, but that's, that's what I was thinking is like, put the 27, five plus on this thing, throw the cush core in there. And then really like, I, I, I can't, I can't see how I won't be like, just crazy happy about it. I want to put a 36 in there and, and bump it up to, or bump it down to 140 millimeters. I think that's what Steve's doing too. Yeah, I actually have a one uh one sixty thirty-six on it because it's a twenty-seven five fork and getting all nerdy here. So if you compare a hundred mil twenty-five uh hundred mil Fox 36 27 5 fork to a hundred mil Fox 36 29er fork, the 29er is two centimeters taller, axle to ground, even though they're the same travel. And so since I don't have a 29er fork, if I had a 29er, I'd run 140. 
since I don't have run, I run a 27.5 at 160, which gives me the same head angle, same axle of crown as if I had a 140. But we took we took the chameleon out today on a a really hard enduro course with big old slabs and four foot drops and rocks the size of beach balls, and I had more fun on it than I did on my enduro bike on that stuff. We me and my buddies, we all grabbed our hardtails today and we just shredded that mountain. It was so much fun. I, I have just been, and man, I hate doing this. Like lately, I, I've been on the like the freaking the hardtail bandwagon because obviously I bought this bike, but it it um <laughs> it's really changed my perspective. You know, for a long time, like I said, I've been riding suspend full suspension for a long time. I've never touched a hardtail, and one of the things that just like I can't say this enough to people that are thinking about going and getting into mountain biking. You don't need a full suspension bike. Amen. Like, yeah. like you don't like I, this, like I would not have said that three months ago before I had this bike, but now it's like, no, you don't, you don't. And the way that like, when you get out of the saddle and you pedal, holy cow, the thing's like a rocket. Like, yeah. like, like you don't like, I, I don't understand how to tell that to somebody that, that, maybe hasn't like ridden both kinds of bikes and like they're like what do you mean it's like you feel that power when you pedal yeah. it's like the thing is like you know? yeah. it's super that. fun sad news i'm gonna be selling my chameleon and getting another hardtail but i do love hardtails yeah i take my i have a orbea laufey and i love that thing i take it out all the time um because i mean i still love my full suspension as well but the, the fun thing about riding a hardtail is it will expose all your flaws, you know, like yeah. it, it teaches you to pick good lines and not be sloppy. And, sorry. No, no, it's all right. Yeah, no. lazy, lazy riders can get away with, I mean, if you're not picking line choice and just kind of letting off the brakes and going, a full suspension is for you. But once you have some fundamentals like cornering and unweighting and using your human suspension and reading the trail man hardtails make boring trails super exciting we're gonna do a hardtail ride on south mountain actually i can't wait oh to do wow it. so you ride flats or you ride clips steve so i rode clips for 15 years because it's a rite of passage it's a way to show people that you're hardcore right and in the 90s like if you didn't have first of all we didn't have good shoes. We were all riding vans with platform pedals or those uh, bear trap, right. like shin eaters. Yeah, I've talked about this too. Uh, every time I mention that stuff, like nobody gets what I'm talking about. Yeah. Apparently we're freaking old, Steve. I know. I've been riding <laughs> for 20 years and 15 of them are on clips, but um, I recently switched back. Five years ago, I switched to flats and my cornering improved within three rides. And yeah. There are one or two obstacles like the waterfall uh, South Mountain that I, I currently cannot do with flats. I probably can't do it with clips, but I have a better chance if I did have clips. But I'm not going to put them on just for one obstacle. But um, yeah, I, you know, I, I love I, flats. I've, I've tried flats now. That's what I'm running on the chameleon. And that's mm -hmm. my first time actually ever being on flats on a mountain bike. When I got into mountain biking in the 90s, we used toe clips. And yep. then whenever I got back, like I took a break, got back into biking, mountain biking, I got right into right into clipless. Yep. And um, I've definitely noticed that there's a bunch of stuff that my skill sets got screwed up with by using the clips. Like the first time, like I used to be able to bunny hop over guardrails and stuff like that, sure. you know? 
And the first time I got on the chameleon, with I, I hit a little little rock drop or whatever. My my feet came off the pedals. I like smashed the jewels. You know, like <laughs> it was it was an ugly situation. But it was like it made me realize, like, oh wow, like there's like, like I am not putting my heels down in corners. And like yeah. the flats are like two things that I actually I have to back up and say is yes. Shoes and pedals have come a long way uh -huh. because wow, those things are like glue now. But then that like the the body mechanics of how to ride, like what you were saying, you definitely notice that. Totally, and the clips still have their place. And if I were racing cross country, there's no doubt I'd have them. If I were racing, period, I'd probably put them on. But like, I still I feel like a little more locked in and like the the chunk at at speed. But I haven't been riding them long enough. Like, but I'm not taking. I'm not putting flats on the Bronson anytime soon. Sure, but I, I'm definitely digging riding riding the clips. What most people do wrong, a lot of our mountain bike technology transferred over from road bike technology. And I feel like especially clipless shoes have as well. And where the cleat position is, is the same on a size nine as it is on a size 14. And a lot of the like road bike cleats are way up by the toe or the ball of your foot. And um, I think when people ride flats, a lot of them put have, have their foot position way too far uh, their foot's too far back. So they actually have like a lot of people run the ball of their foot behind the spindle. You should have the ball of your foot in front of the spindle and almost ride more in the middle of your pedal. A, that will prevent those nasty shin flippers. Because if you're used to clipless where the where the cleat is way up by the toe and you try to ride that way on flats, you're going yeah, to work pedals left and right and you're not yeah. going to have the torque. Um, there's a guy here in Tucson who... I really respect he's ridden the Arizona trail many times and raced it. And he used to be a pro road biker and to train, to have an efficient pedal stroke, his coach put him on flats on his road bike until he had the proper pedal stroke, uh, engaging the right muscles everywhere. And so I'm not saying flats are for everybody in every situation, but there, there are a lot of awful habits that develop. Uh, on clipless pedals and i think a lot of people switch to clipless pedals too early before they have fundamental skills that they could have learned on flats but who cares i mean it's mountain biking we do this for fun ride whatever the heck you want to ride and right. if you gain bad habits who cares yeah yeah totally as long as you're having a grin on your face by the time you get off your bike then you're doing it right you yeah. know <laughs> but yeah so, so i ride flats exclusively i don't so, think I wouldn't have the confidence to go for some of the technical climbs that I do if I was clipped in. And and that's just a personal thing. It's not even to say that one is better or worse, but I think whatever gives you confidence to keep progressing is good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I try way more stuff. Like I crashed like everyone the first month I got cl clips and like it pull up to the stop sign and forget to pull your foot out and you just go down but after that month, tell me never... the story. Tell me, tell me the, tell me the real story. <laughs> Let, let's hear it. Come on. Right? Let's hear. I'll give you guys, I'll tell you guys my, my, my bail learning clipless. And, and if you do yours. Yeah. I was just riding to the trailhead as a kid. I was 14 and you were like, doing clipless at 14. Yeah. I, you know what's crazy BMX. So BMX, the kids were racing in clips at two years old before they could even stand at the start gate on their own. Their dads would be holding them in the wheel, holding their wheel so they don't fall over. And the kids were in clipless. And How old are you, Steve? Um, I'm mid thirties. Oh, okay, 
but I'm a, I mean, I'm a little this, older than you. This is a couple years ago. The kids were riding clipless, and because yeah, no, I was just trying to pros doing it, and yeah. they thought it must be faster, must be better. Well, I can't remember who USA BMX I think owns it now, but they came out and said, "Look, until you're racing at the expert level, you're not allowed to use clips." Yeah. because there were kids crashing or they'd fall over and they couldn't get back on and couldn't get their cleats back in. And it was actually causing some, yeah, some uh, big problems issues. anyway. So yeah, I was 14, got clips first time I set them super loose. Actually, I didn't set them loose. I should have set them loose, got up to a stop sign on my way to a trail, pulled the brakes, came to a complete stop and forgot I was in clips and just went over to the side and had one of the worst Hurled. wrecks of my life. Yeah. No I was, uh, I had had the clips on on my bike. I did a few rides, even had a couple of uh, accidents where I clipped out, and I was like, "Dude, I got this, man!" Until I got this. this is so easy. I don't know why people were talking about this. So I go out and I do this ride um, called Salmon Falls. It's here here local, and uh, it's an out and back. It's seven miles out. So, you know, obviously seven miles back, unless you screw that up. And uh, <laughs> so, so fourteen mile ride had a bunch of little mishaps along the way. Clipped out every time, no problem, man. And I come like come rolling back into the parking lot out of the trailhead, and I tell you what, I've only seen like four or five like park rangers that were women. And um, this one just so happened to be like the the unicorn that was like extremely good looking. <laughs> so I come rolling into the into the park the trailhead, you know, looking all like a badass muddy mountain biker, my yeah. my tattoo and my beer gut, and uh, and uh, and uh, and I and I come to stop to a stop and just freaking couldn't get my foot <laughs> out. Just eat crap like yeah. all like just all gravel everywhere uh -huh. and, and i remember her running over and she's like oh my god are you okay and i'm like nope just bruised the shit out of my ego though <laughs> hey it worked you got to talk to her yeah right which her sympathies did you yeah. cry yeah oh yeah i probably did there was some tears <laughs> it's like the modern version of the sand law but she didn't have to give mouth to mouth right i should have just pretended like i passed out there you go <laughs> that would have been good yeah but, but that yeah, was so it you know so I don't crash because of the clips, but when I'm sessioning stuff, there are definitely lines I won't try because the consequence of not clipping out is so huge that on flats, I'm like, yeah, I got this and I'll just go try it. So I find myself trying way more stuff and succeeding at way more stuff. And I also ride a lot more weight through the bottom bracket when I'm not clipped. It's I, it I can tell you honestly with clips, I have absolutely like I don't feel like there's any difference in me getting off my pedals with clips and not clips. Awesome. Like like the only time that I have problems with getting out of my clips is after I've done like a long segue of how sure. I never have problems getting out of my clips. Like, like that's the one day. Like that I, I did a, a video on my channel it's called Trails and Fails. It was <laughs> I, while I was driving up there, I think it was one of my son's first rides in clips. And I was just telling him about how, Oh, don't worry about it. You know, I can do it just as many times, you know, like it's so easy. I never have a problem. And we're going up this little, little punchy climb section. And for whatever reason, that's the day that I couldn't get out. And like, I fell over into like some poison Oak landed upside down, like, like sitting on my wheel that I just got rebuilt that I was worried about busting, like couldn't sit up because I was at such an angle that it was like, Oh God, it was just super comical. But, um, usually that's the only time that I don't, that I have a problem. That's good. My goal was I'll switch to flats until I can manual a hundred feet and then I'll go back to clips. 
and I still can't manual 100 feet, and so I'm still in that zone. And now we teach so many new riders, especially women, that whatever we wear for our gloves or whatever saddle we're using or whatever tire we're using, they will go out and buy. Right. Um, and if I'm riding clips, they will think they need clips to succeed. And so a lot of it too now is like, I want to show them that you don't need clipless pedals to get up really hard stuff or to get down really hard stuff. And that I kind of want them to feel comfortable choosing whether they want clips or not. It was yeah, really interesting to me earlier when Tess said that she preferred clips for climbing. Cause to me, the first thing that came to mind, like for me with clips, I want them for like the rowdy downhill, like the, the climbing part, like I could care less. I've, my feet do not bounce off the pedals. I don't know. Yeah. Why. I don't have a lot. I don't really have a lot of problems. It, it, it works for me. And I think there's a lot of silliness. Like this is how, this is how you need to do it. Or that's how you need to do it. But I just think whatever gives you the confidence to keep progressing on the bike is the right thing to do. Whatever that yeah. is, you know, for whatever kind of writing or wherever, you're at in your progression of things. And as long as you feel like you're progressing, you're doing something right, you know, whatever kind of pedals you're running. So, yeah. so how about this? What's the thing that you guys like the least about living in a trailer? Finding a place to put it. Yeah. That's pretty stressful. Yeah. Finding a place to put it is pretty dang stressful. I mean, we actually do pretty well living in a small space. Mm -hmm. I will say like, we're very, um, we're very DIY fix it ourselves kind of people. So that's one thing that's tricky is if, if there's something that we're working on as a project, um, like a very small, like work area to work on something pretty much takes up the whole trailer. So that's always tough when it's like a day that we're fixing something and it just seems like the whole, the whole trailer is like a crazy, um, like mess of like tools and things like that. But um, the good news is when you clean a space this small, takes like five yeah. minutes. Bob <laughs> dusted, picked up, done. Right. So I what's the what's the bike shed like? You guys, all the all the YouTubers have these cool bike man caves, and uh, we're limited to two bikes each, which is probably a healthy thing. Mm -hmm. We each have a hardtail and an enduro bike. We ride Spot Rolics, which are absolutely amazing. You guys said you said earlier that you guys like the kayak. You guys have kayaks too. Uh huh. Are they on the rig or? We didn't bring them right now. Mm -hmm. We leave them with family. Them? Yeah, we we have inflatable kayaks and we leave them with family. Same with our tools, and they can use them all while we're not there. And then when we want to use them, we just swing by and pick them up, and then use them for a few months and drop them back off. You guys yeah. have solar on that thing too, or? Mm hmm. Yep. We just put know. it on. It's totally off grid. We're running off Tesla batteries from a wrecked Tesla. It's a sick setup. So it's yeah. It's pretty amazing. We have an insane amount of solar on top of this thing. <laughs> There's not much roof up there. It's mostly solar. It's <laughs> oh, right on. So what do you guys like the most about about the uh the trailer life? I like just I feel like Steve and I are even like better friends than when we set off on our journey and now like because just to just to to fill people in like you guys at one point had a house kind of were doing the domesticated thing right yeah we had a 3800 square foot house on a third of an acre with a pump track in the backyard i do miss the pump track but we we were camped 60 nights a year and we're like why are we paying a mortgage if we spend 60 nights in a tent and we're happier in the tent 
And we had dreams of filling that with a big family and that didn't happen. And so when we couldn't have kids, you know, priorities change and we kind of took an assessment and we're like, okay, we, we have more house than we want. And somehow all these rooms keep filling up with furniture and stuff without us even buying it. And let's simplify. If we're happy a week backpacking with everything we can carry on our back, we don't need stuff. And so we got rid of all our stuff. Yeah. And so like our life then was like, I had my career, Steve had his career. And then on the weekends is it felt like that was when we lived, you know, like that was when we'd go backpacking and mountain biking and, um, you know, every, you know, quarterly, maybe we'd go on like a five or 10 day trip and doing like cool, crazy backcountry stuff. And that was when we felt most alive. And we just thought, man, wouldn't it be so cool if we could like always do this? And so now we do, you know, we still both have our separate jobs, but we're able to work in this, live in the same space. And like, it's really fun now is to the point where we're so used to being together all the time that like, if one of us has to be gone for a couple nights, it's like, Oh, <laughs> you know, like I have this theory that people that do things that suck together are like much more closer, you know, <laughs> so yeah. like, other people, this life sucks. It does. I prefer this life. But what I'm saying is like, you know, like going out and doing a, a mountain bike ride or doing a big hike or, you know, doing anything challenging. Like there's parts of that that suck. You know sure. what I mean? And, and right. And so like when you've done that with somebody else and they relate with that, like you're you have a little better bond. You know, and, and so that's why, like, there's like the survivor thing, you know, where people like end up being in like getting married or whatever. And like, I think it's the same thing, though. It's like, you know, you go out and you do these things together and there's parts of it that are struggling and, and overcoming like fears or obstacles and making that part of your your life and your relationships life. Like there's like there's no way that you guys aren't going to be closer. So, like, I feel like I'm envious of you guys for the time that you get to spend with each other in that manner, you know, then that like, I think a lot of people just kind of forget about, you know? Yeah. It's incredible. We're yeah. super blessed and we've kind of carved out the life that we want with each other. And it's awesome. They're like, it, we have, you can't just go in another room if you're mad at the person and just shut the door and go watch your TV show. We have to resolve it immediately because we're in the same space I mean, this thing is 150 square feet. That's our house. Yeah. And it's not like we agree on everything and stuff like that. Like, that's not what relationships are about. Like, we're still individuals and like, we're still going to always have like our different perspectives on things. But yeah, like what living in the small space teaches you to do is um, to resolve conflict in a harmonious kind of way you know quickly in a healthy way yeah, yeah. Like, like you said you can't run away from each other yeah. in a space this small so yeah you just learn to um if anything just be more respectful of each other's individuality and and learn to um work through conflict in in as harmonious a way as possible and and remembering that like we're both on the same team and yeah so it's it's cool so those of you guys that are listening to this as a podcast right now, the baby is like <laughs> seriously out cold. Like if, if there was drool, like sliding over the side of his cheek and dripping down on the floor, I wouldn't doubt it. So one of the things that segue from that, 
one of the things that I uh, saw a, a van life kind of YouTuber talk about recently when they were saying, you know, one some of the difficulties of living like that is like you have no personal space, and it's like, 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 like me and my lady, like when you go to the bathroom, you you you're in a different room, and it's like when you're in a little van, you're in the same room, you know. So there's yeah. definitely like there there's there's no dropping a deuce and getting away with it. Yeah, yeah. Anyone who's in that space is gonna know. <laughs> yeah, right. So you definitely have to like. It was funny though to like to hear some of the things where there was them talking about, you know it's not all the drone shots and the beauty, you know, like there yeah. are some spots that like, it kind of sucks, you know? Yeah. Or yeah. is different, you know? <laughs> yeah, I totally. Yeah. There, it, I mean, it's not all roses. It's tricky. There's hard things. I think the hardest part is sharing one vehicle. Yeah, that's true. That's you way harder. Than you don't realize how like space. having your own car is like, like freedom, you know, like yeah, yeah. Not, that, not that we're in captivity, but it's just kind of like, Oh, dang it. I was going to go to that, but you need the car. Okay. Can you drop me off? And you know what I mean? Where you used to be able to just be like, okay, you're going to go do your thing today. And I'm going to go to do my thing today. But I like it before yeah. when we had our separate lives, we just kind of had our separate friends. We'd kind of at the end of work, go do our separate things and maybe see each other from 10 to midnight. And that was about it. Now we see each other, you know, 16 hours a day plus working at home. I get to watch my baby learn to sit up and roll over for the first time. And I mean, that's what really matters to us is family and spending time together. And that's what it's all about. And we love the way that this lifestyle lets us do that. Yeah. It'd be really hard to go back to um, working jobs where we weren't able to be together all day. And we realize, you know, I'm grateful for all the people who are doctors and nurses totally. and, and cashiers at Home Depot and, you know, things that can't be done from home. Um, so I realize that it's not everybody can work from home for society to work and function the way that it does. But, but we feel very uh, fortunate to be doing what we're doing. For sure. So I'm going to ask, ask you guys a tough question. And I, and I know this because we had this conversation in Downeyville. And now, now that you have the little, little dusty, what do you think the situation is going to be when it comes to school time? Yeah. So um, I would ideally for me at the moment, I love to start putting down roots somewhere. Um, by the time she's school age, like I want her to be able to have like friends that she gets to play with on a regular basis and have that stability uh, that comes along with being in one place. And so, and so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to follow this up with a little, please, please tell the, the world, the reason why weren't you a homeschooled kid yourself? Yeah, I was. And, you know, like a lot of people do it and it, it is awesome for them. But, um, you know, like there's some good things about homeschooling, but, um, having been through it, it's just not really what I want for my kid. I, I want her to be able to, I want her to be able to go to school and have a best friend there. And I feel like school is about more than just academics which makes some homeschoolers cringe because they're like, it should just be about academics. But I think your peers in that daily interaction and environment, your peers, you guys teach each other a lot of social cues. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. That, def definitely a lot to be learned there. Yeah. So for me, you know, being homeschooled K, K through 12, you know, pretty much um, there were some of those social cues that I had to pick up on later on 
rather painfully. <laughs> um, so I think I think I've come out a relatively well-adjusted human being. Um, and, and, you know, I, like, hopefully I don't enrage all of the homeschoolers out there. Like, I know some people do it and it's awesome for them and their family. I think that's, that's great. But having experienced it firsthand, I feel like I'm at least as entitled to my opinion as the next person. And, um, and I just want to do it differently for my daughter. So. And your best friend had the same experience. Yeah. One of my best friends, I, we met in college and she had been homeschooled too. And so, um, we that was something really we really connected on because she'd had a similar experience so i've been questioning whether i mean my kids are both you know my my son just moved out my my daughter is just a couple years away from it and i i had thought to myself whether or not i would want to send another like if i had a kid today like if i would send them through school School. And there's some there's some stuff with school where I feel like it's like I don't know if I want to I would want to do that. But on the other hand, like the social aspect, what you're talking about, I I definitely under like feel like that's very necessary. I I kind of have this like idea that I think homeschoolers are going to start getting together and doing like like a twenty kid freaking classroom of quote unquote home, homeschool and bringing. Yeah bringing p kids through a program like that instead of just doing it like with your own kids. I don't know where the legal part of that is or how that all plays out, but okay. I really think that people are going to do that to like be able to get away from maybe some of the politics and things that school teaches that maybe you don't want your children to learn mm -hmm. and then, but still be able to like give them a good education and give them the opportunity to like learn how to deal with other people that they don't like and all yeah. those things that come along with it. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, those, like that's those, part of school, you know? Yeah. Right. And those things do exist. Um, they call them in homeschooling, they call them co-ops. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, See, I invented something that's already yeah. out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. And I think you're right. I think we may see more and more of those homeschooling co-ops and, um, you know, there's also charter schools, you know, for people who maybe don't have the kind of budget to send their kids to private schools. So I think there's a lot of, there are a lot of options, a lot of alternatives to help, you know, give your kid the, the opportunity to have other teachers and other mentors. And it's cool. There's, there's definitely options. I mean, that's another thing too, that I feel is great about, um, about sending your kids to school is having them learn to be accountable to someone else and yeah. maybe sometimes having a teacher that they don't like. And, um, I think you know, I, too, is like, even just like having a life outside of yours that they only can tell you about, like, um, how do I explain this? Like, for example, I don't go to my daughter, like all my daughters, like games and stuff like that, because I feel like she should have life experience that I'm not there, that she can come back and be like, Hey, this is what happened, dad. And I really like, like I did this and I did that. Like if I was one of those parents that was like every single game, it's like, what are you like? Where are you teaching them independence in that? Yeah. Yeah. You know? It gives them a little bit of autonomy, I guess. Is kind yeah, of time to be themselves, you know? Like, what if they want to, you know, like, whatever it is, you know? Like, I just, I, I feel like in the age that we grew up, you know, a lot of our parents were, you know, there weren't many helicopter parents when we grew up. So, like, a lot of us got to, like, leave it when, when the sun came up or when we woke up and we would come back when the sun was going down and, and, and God, like kids don't have that anymore. And there's so much that we learned out there 
during the day like that, you know, and that's part of why I like mountain biking. It reminds me of that, like go out and just explore and, and come back, you know, like yeah. I, I think that that's, that's really important. There's a movement right now with a whole bunch of uh, families that travel full-time like we do with, you know, five to 10 kids. And uh, there's this movement called road schooling and they do get in these groups of 20 or 30 and they'll go down to Santa Barbara and learn about marine biology for a month. And they'll, it'll be like a month long school field trip vacation sort of thing. Uh, and they get great education. And so there's, there's interesting things going on there. My opinionated opinion is those kids that we meet that do that are super good at talking to adults. Yeah. They're not so great at talking to other and interacting with other kids. And that's changing as those groups get bigger, but who knows? We'll keep our options open. Yeah. And five years from now, the climate could be totally different in the education world. Yeah, um, who knows? I'm a professional educator. I love education. I love unique ways to teach people. Um, the, probably the that's, best part about being a parent is watching her learn. It's so fun. Yeah. That's interesting what you said about the, the kids being able to talk to adults. I grew up like in a kind of, we, we moved a lot, you know? So like, I always had to reintroduce myself to people. And uh, I think that I kind of grew up in that manner as well, where I really related well with adults because I always had to like yeah. communicate with them. And I think that's what, has made me like the communicator that I am, you know, obviously I'm, 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 I'm not very shy. You know what I mean? But, but on the other hand, I do remember like as a kid, like, or more so like as like a teenager, like the, the people that I enjoyed hanging out with weren't always the people that were my own age. They were like mm -hmm. six, seven years older than me or something, you know? Totally. Yeah. And I think, you know, the reality of it is one thing that is cool about the kind of one room school thing where, you know, kids are, are interacting and also learning and being taught by kids of other ages is because that's what it's like in the workplace. You know, you can be 24 years old and fresh out of grad school and go to some big company and you're not just working with other 24 year olds. You know, there's also a guy on your team who is 48, you know, like, yeah. so, so there's, there's good sides of that too. But I think there, there are lots of ways to create opportunities for kids to interact with people from different ages. Um, so I don't know, it's, it's tough. It's tough to say, I think on the outset, I'd love to have like a little bit more stability by the time she's school age, but like We're Steve said, like, like crazy in the yeah, summer. we still want to be able to Kind yeah, I, I could definitely see you guys. I mean, you guys will still be doing the four day weekends and the the three day weekends and the the you whatever. School much, yeah, right? <laughs> but I mean, I, I think as long as 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 even going through like grade school and stuff like that, like as long as you're, I don't want to say good parents, but like interactive parents with your child, like you you could take whatever the teacher needs to do on Friday and Monday and do a bunch of four day weekends and the kid's not gonna miss a beat as long as you are doing your end. A lot yeah. of people send their kids to school and they they like, like they like, oh, I don't need to do anything. See you later. You know yeah. what I mean? And they, they then they like don't even bother helping them with homework, you know? And, yeah. and then they wonder why their education isn't that good. So I, I know without a doubt, you know, like that you could definitely accomplish whatever you want and still have, have some like, you know, ha have them maybe in, in some kind of public-ish school or private school or whatever, you know. 
Yeah. Wherever so, we do settle down, it'll be a smaller town. Uh, that's one reason we hit the road was our town was just growing so fast and the traffic and the city life and that it doesn't work real well with me. Our family's got a lot of mental illness and nature is the great healer in our family. And so wherever we do settle down, we're on the lookout to find the perfect spot to settle down, but it'll be a small place with excellent access to nature. And that'll be a big part of our life. Yeah. One of the things that um, I, I always like about you guys. Um, and I'm going to mention this for the people that are listening. I just really like the way that you guys look at each other when you're talking <laughs> like, like, honestly, like you're, you're, you're interested in what this person is saying and you can see it in your body language. Like that's, I, I think that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we're best friends. Yeah, yeah, no, dude, that's awesome. That's really good, dude. There's so many people that strive for that, man. You guys, you guys are doing a good job of it. At least as far as when the camera's rolling. That's right. <laughs> so what one question we get on YouTube is how did, he end up with such a babe like her and it's because we respect each other and because tess realizes there's more than the outer surface when choosing a life mate and i'm glad that i got such a babe but like as cliche as it is i fell in love with who she is not what she looks like and yeah. likewise, you know and like we have such a great relationship yeah, I mean i think yeah someone that you're going to like live with and and share the same space with like when you meet someone that you really click with and you're like, I could be around this person all the time. You go with that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, my, my lady and I, we, we've been together quite some time and we, we have a very similar uh, relationship, but I think there's some one thing that we've, we've mentioned along the way is like the, uh, the looks aren't always going to be there. You know, someday we're gonna be old, and and you really have to freaking like the person that you're with. You know <laughs> what I mean? And like, we really enjoy the time that we spend together. We really enjoy like tackling life together, or going to new places, and just seeing what that culture is about. And like, both of our personalities like feed off of that. And and um, that's that's something special. You know, like that's that's what you're looking for. Like to me, it's not about like what somebody looks like. It's like who they are and and how much like how compatible you actually are. You know what I yeah. mean? Like a lot of people forget about that. They're just like, you know, kind of totally. keying up on some other stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Another key for us is we went to therapy before there were problems. We have family members that let things get ugly and then had to go to therapy and work out the mess. But we kind of look at it like getting a checkup at the doctor or going to the dentist before you have cavities. So we met with a counselor that's amazing. And we just said, hey, we're doing pretty good, but I'm sure there's things we could do better. And we met with her before there were issues. And and we just check in with her from time to time. And man, that has helped us so much. And there are a lot of counselors out there that are totally off their rocker and are not helpful. But if you find a great one, man, that's my biggest advice is go before there's problems. I know. Like I, if, if I was rich, I would, that's what I would give to like anyone I knew who was like getting married or just in like a, like a committed long-term relationship. If I was rich, I would just give them all like like five free counseling sessions, pay for them to go. Cause yeah, it's, it's helping you have the skills to communicate better. There's yeah. a stigma with going to counseling, you know, like there, there's a huge stigma and there, there's a friend of mine that's going through some stuff right now. And, um, he's going to counseling personally and, and, um, 
trying to do some some couples counseling as well and and he's just you know definitely come to that realization like wow like this is actually really good and and i am unfortunately was one of those people that always thought you know i can figure this crap out on my own i I got this like i i'm i'm logical they're not going to tell me anything that's not logical and blah 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 and and um i i went through a divorce because of that so you know and and we were one of those couples that probably waited way too long and um but through that process of going to a counselor a lot of times they're just telling you stuff that you actually do know but i can't tell you how much more receptive you are when somebody else says it even if it's like you're like yeah that's totally what i was thinking but when somebody else says it that's that neutral ground i don't i don't it's worth the money it's worth the money just to hear somebody else say it yeah yeah and i like like my counselor she's awesome because I like having things that I can practice, you know, like homework. So she, you know, she, she knows me and she'd give me homework and things to work on. And like, that's how I function. And it's cool. It's cool. when you have like a good counselor who kind of gets to know you and you know, what, what hits home with you. I think, I think it's just, I, I think it's really good for us to talk about this and to take that stigma away. Like Amen. you can, you can have a good relationship and go to counseling. You can have a relationship that's good and having a hard time. Go to counseling. Like yeah. it doesn't. It, like like really. Like if you ride mountain bike and you're like, hey, I might go to a skills clinic. Why the hell wouldn't you go to a skills clinic for your freaking relationship? Yeah. You know? like, easy relationships aren't easy. It, it, yeah, we were I all totally raised. Agree. We were all raised by mortals, so we all have baggage, and our parents have baggage, and their yeah, parents yeah, have baggage. Totally. <laughs> totally, and especially the dudes. I feel like women are a little more uh, likely to be open to counseling, where men were way too macho. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, that's the issue, probably. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it goes both ways. I don't want to sure. paint with too broad of a brush, but. Yeah, a lot of the dudes find out I go to counseling regularly and they're like, what? What's wrong with you? Why would you do that? That's what I'm saying. It's just the stigma. Yeah. You know, and, and I think the more people that talk about like whether that, that they've done that or that they've had positive effects out of it, then, you know, the, I think the best thing is like what you said, like if you find a good one and and basically I'll tell you, it, you'll know when you have a good one. Yeah. Like it, it, if you're talking to one that's shitty, like you're going to walk out of there feeling like, oh, You'll that know. wasn't very good. Yeah. Like, like if you know. walk out of there feeling like that didn't, that didn't feel very good after like at least give them two or three times to, to really prove that they're not really good. But cause they might be telling you something you just don't want to hear. But yeah. uh, sure. uh, after, after that two or three times, then, then yeah, dude, like, Hey, move on. Yeah. So You'll what know. do you guys see for the channel in the next, in, in like what does success look like for the bestie better channel oh god that is such a good question um i mean the cool thing about growing dusty betty even though we talked about how oh we hate viewers and subscribers no we don't (laughs) no we don't hate the viewers and subscribers (laughs) i love growing the channel and i love growing the influence um yeah i i want to keep growing the channel and uh, i want to keep growing my skills continue inspiring other women find more opportunities to meet and connect with people um you know something that i've thought about is is like getting to a point where i can become a coach maybe someday you know like i do i do like you know kind of just with friends kind of unofficially coaching people and stuff but 
um, I think there's a lot of opportunities to cross over with Dusty Betty and, and opportunities to help other people grow their skills. And yeah, hopefully keep creating videos and traveling to more places, meeting with more people. And um, so you guys have a Patreon too, right? Yeah. So I do have a Patreon and that's where I post all of my meetups. Occasionally I'll partner with um, like some, you know, some of the companies that I work with and do meetups with them. But most of my meetups are through Patreon. That's one of the biggest ways that I provide a little bit of extra value to them is, is uh, it's just a good way to orchestrate ways to connect with people and ride and hang out. And it's a lot of fun. I've made a lot of friends uh, with, with people who are on my Patreon and that's been really cool. Yeah. I think, I think that that's a, that's a key thing to do with your audience is to go out there and experience life with them. You know, mm -hmm. I think that, um, it's important, you know, and, and I think part of building this community, I think for you guys is the same as me. It's like, it's not about getting some money off of this. It's like about like, like reaching out to people and, and, like expanding your friend group and like having a good time. And, and, and I think that, um, Patreon helps with that. So, yeah. um, it definitely gives you like an opportunity to be able to like, just, you know, grab those, those hardcore supporters, you know? Yeah, totally. And even though, um, you know, like I'm not getting rich off of doing Patreon, but it really does help because <laughs> with my time having to be so divided, okay. With the, you know, with my time being so divided, um, having Patreon makes it um, something that I can, okay, like I can justify if I can bring in a little bit of extra money to compensate me for the time that I'm doing this. Like it, it's something that I can continue doing. So well, you I'm guys do, you guys do meetups. Like every time you're in a different city, you guys are doing meetups. And yeah, I think that's and really that's cool. Yeah, that's one cool thing about the full time travel is it's not just like maybe you know a couple festivals a year like you know like while we're in tucson like we've been doing like two meetups a month and mm -hmm. you know who knows when we're traveling at a quicker rate in the summertime we may be doing a meetup a week so there's lots of opportunities to connect for sure and a lot of the meetups are beginner friendly so a lot of guys bring their girls who have been on a ride or two but aren't quite comfortable like going on their own and it's, I mean, not all of them are. We do hardcore stuff. We did a meetup at South yeah. Mountain too, but it's really cool to see people get inspired by Tess. Cause when Tess goes to women's clinics, she comes back. Like the first time she wanted to learn to bunny hop was coming back from Rome Fest and seeing the girls there that were bunny hopping. And she'd never seen a girl bunny hop before. And she's like, I want to do that now. And they really <laughs> So I really appreciate you guys spent taking the time to to hang out with me here and uh, talk to to your fans. I can't wait till the next time that we get to hang out. Please what? tell me you guys are coming through Northern California sometime soon. You can park your uh, your your trailer. Maybe we might be able to squeeze it in my driveway. I'm not sure. <laughs> we'll, we'll try. Figure, we'll figure it out one way or another. At least we could put you out front. Like, what was that? Like National Lampoons, whenever it's yes. like Uncle, Uncle, whatever came yes. over there, just dumping his septic tank into. <laughs> yeah, you know, I would. I would love for you guys to be able to come by, and at least we could maybe ride ride some stuff. If not, there's some places I'm sure you can park close by, and um, it would be fun to be able to have 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 the little dusty come by the house and um and you guys that to to meet my lady as well as us go out and, and ride some more trails together i am um, 
Yeah, yeah, you're at the top of our list whenever we're in California. Sweet. Well, like I said, once again, dude, I, I'm super, super happy that you guys spent the time with me tonight. I want to say thank you to everybody that threw up a super chat while we were that we were talking. Um, I want to say thank you for everybody that's been okay with the baby little dusty crying the whole time. It's a little different, but hey, it is also part of life. And and I and I love the fact that that was there because honestly, it just it, it just shows you know, hey, we're just real people we're living our lives. Um, don't forget to subscribe and sub support both of our channels it makes all of us happy if you hit the thumbs up button let's see how many thumbs up we got right now we have oh god i hate when this <laughs> we have 72 thumbs up and 88 people watching let's see if we can get that more than that right now so you guys got about a minute to start hitting the thumbs up button um so definitely definitely do that hit the thumbs up if you guys like um really cool uh shirts and gloves and hats swing by tasco dust dusty betty's an ambassador for them i'm telling you i like their stuff too i'm wearing the hat right now um i can't talk enough about that t-shirt though i really like it. do you got have you guys tried that new shirt yeah the those sessions, sessions tees are cool mm -hmm. and yeah if you do buy something from tasco please use coupon code dusty betty you'll save 10 percent and tasco gives us a little bit of gas money to be able to keep traveling around every time someone uses there you go dusty betty so that really helps us out but, yeah helps so, us meet more of y'all on the road well i'll definitely i'll throw that up there into the show more of it then um so that people know they can save 10 percent. that's great um once again like i said earlier if you get a chance to swing by like google or apple and uh, write a review for the podcast that would be <laughs> awesome because i want to see that come up whenever i search mountain bike over there um do you guys have a sign off on the channel Get dusty. <laughs> <laughs> Quick and easy, right? Yeah. Thank you for having us. It's always a pleasure to connect. Yeah. We have been so busy lately. We haven't been connecting with people very good and we've been lonely. So thank we've you. Been, yeah, we've been for looking forward to this because we're like, hey, like we haven't talked to Robert in ages. It's an opportunity <laughs> to chat and we get to include everybody else who's listening in on it. That's awesome. I ha always have a great time hanging out with you guys and as I did tonight. And I am totally looking forward to the next time until, until then I want everybody to remember it only takes a bike to be a biker, get out and be one. <laughs>